Last week, I talked a little bit about junkyards and the fact to most of us, junkyards just look like junk, like big piles of junk. But to the right person with the right skills and the right eye, they can see that underneath all the piles of stuff, often sometimes down in the dark in the shadows, there are pieces and parts, there are things that are valuable, that if if brought into the light, if, if rescued out of the junk pile, could be used, could be valuable, could be beautiful in some, in some cases. Uh, often the, the most difficult part of, of the junkyard experience is bringing that out, finding it and bringing it out into the light. Our, our lives are sometimes that way. It, it can be difficult to own, admit, to bring out where there is brokenness, where there is a fracture, where there are things that aren't right. But the, the reality is things that remain hidden can never get salvaged. Things that remain in the dark, they don't often get used. They don't often become beautiful. Again, and, and I know that it's it's tempting whenever we have areas of our life that aren't going the way we want them to go, or disappointments or frustrations or, or hurt or rejections or brokenness. Uh, I, I know that the reaction can be for us to cover those up. Uh, we all have some level of a defense mechanism that says, don't let anybody know, don't tell anybody. You can figure this out if you just cover it up, if, if you just pretend long enough, if you put on a good front long enough, you'll figure it out or circumstances will change. Everything will work out. Just don't admit this. All of us want to hide sometimes. But like I said, the problem is when we hide, when, when we remain in the shadows, it's difficult, maybe impossible for those areas to be salvaged. It's self-defeating in a lot of ways. When it comes to brokenness, there there are a couple of different reactions that that we have. One is the person who has an area of brokenness, but because so many other areas are going well in their life, they have a hard time admitting it. And you would even have a hard time seeing it. You would have a hard time, I would have a hard time recognizing it because everything else is going fine, or at least it appears that it's going fine. We met somebody like that a few weeks ago, Zacchaeus. Had a great job, plenty of money, uh, no problem making the mortgage. He, He was a rising star in his company. Everything on the outside seemed to be going well. And, and maybe he didn't even recognize fully the need that he had on the inside. Then there's sort of the opposite extreme, and that's the person that it's obvious there's stuff going on. We, we met somebody like that last week, the paralyzed man. You walk up and he's paralyzed, you know we got a problem. Like This is not good. This is not the way things should be. And some of us in our brokenness is not something we can hide. It's out there for everybody to see and you have had that experience of meeting someone and knowing there's a lot going on here. Or or maybe it wasn't immediate, but 15 minutes into the conversation and you knew there's a lot going on here. It wasn't hidden. And then there's a, a third category, and that is the person who maybe recognizes the brokenness in their heart, 
but it's at a level where they can cover it up. That defense mechanism kicks in, and they can hide it. And maybe they can't hide it from everybody, but they can hide it from most people. They can put on the right outward face so that nobody guesses all that's going on underneath the surface. But again, you can't, you can't do that forever. And what's on the inside never gets healed unless it's brought out into the light. I mentioned we're going to talk about a woman who, who dealt with this sort of brokenness in her life. Her story is found in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four Gospels tell the story of Jesus' life. Three of those talk about this particular lady, which is, that's about as much as any story appears in the Gospels. Um, when we meet her, she has what a lot of translations call an issue of blood. I think my translation calls it a bleeding issue. It's going to be something like that in your Bible, issue of blood, a bleeding issue. That's all the Bible says about it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Um, But she had had this issue for a long time. It's kind of hard for us to relate to this aspect of the story, but because she was living in the first century as a Jewish woman, because she was living under the laws of the Old Testament, and I know those are foreign and sometimes hard for us to figure out and a little bit strange to us, but under the laws of the Old Testament, there were certain things, certain conditions that if you had them, certain acts, if you did them, you became known what what the Old Testament calls as unclean, meaning you had to keep a distance from other people. You couldn't go to worship. You couldn't participate in all of the things that the the Jewish community participated in. You were separated because of some uncleanness in your life. This bleeding issue caused this woman to be unclean. And not only her, anyone who touched her became unclean. So you can imagine what this did to her social circle of the people who knew about it. You can also imagine why it would it would be tempting just not to talk about it, just to keep everything covered up and not let anyone know what was actually going on in her life. Now, the Old Testament gave ways, a process by which someone could go from being unclean to being clean and participate with the community and go to worship. And the people that touched her could go through that process. But for her, it was constant. It was 12 years, we're going to learn. It was, it was not something she could just get rid of. It was, it was not something she could just dismiss. She had lived with this for 12 years. Here's, here's the story. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. We saw something similar last week. Jesus is at the point in his life and the point of his ministry where he's recognized by everyone. He's performed some incredible miracles. So everyone wants to know if he's going to perform another miracle. Is he going to teach something? Because nobody had ever heard anyone teach like Jesus taught. So crowds just gathered around him. Even if he went across the lake, he's on one side of the Sea of Galilee. There's a crowd. He gets in a boat. He sails to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. By the time he gets to the other side, there's a crowd waiting for him. Jesus was always moving in and out of the crowd, and this crowd began to grow, began to press in on Jesus. 
Verse 22, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now, the story of Jairus and the little girl is not the story that we're studying. That's the story that Jesus was in when our story happened. If you remember last week, I said that often Jesus' most memorable acts took place as a result of an interruption. Jesus is on his way to take care of this little girl who's dying, and our story interrupts. And I remind you last week, often the interruptions in our lives are God's way of getting our attention. Often the interruptions in our lives are divine appointments where we have the opportunity to say something or pray something or encourage somebody or be in the moment with somebody rather than just see them as interruptions. Notice what Jesus is going to do is an important thing. I mean, I think we all agree, a little girl who's dying, that's important. You should go take care of that Jesus. And yet Jesus pauses in the middle of an incredibly important moment. Because that's usually my excuse when I don't want to be interrupted. My excuse is often, well, I got important stuff to do. Like, people need me. I'm an important person. People... People are going to miss out if I don't do the things that I need to do, which is usually never the case, right? Most people's lives are just fine when I get interrupted. But in my mind, I always think I'm really important. This thing is really important. How could somebody interrupt? Jesus is going to heal a little girl and pauses for an interruption In his life. Same disclaimer as last week. I get it. Not every interruption is a divine appointment. Not every interruption is Jesus stepping into our life. Some interruptions are just interruptions. Some people are just interrupters. I have to close the door too. I have to lock the door because I got to get something done. All of that. Absolutely true. I just read the Gospels and I realize Jesus did his most memorable work often as a result of an interruption. So here we are. Jesus is going to heal this little girl. Large crowd is pressing in. And here's where our interruption comes in, verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Jesus is going. A woman's there. She's had this, whatever it is, this issue that's affected her whole life, physical life, emotional life, social life, spiritual life, affected everything about her for 12 years. We read the Bible and, and characters like this appear in one verse. And then they, they disappear about five verses later. We'll never hear from them again. Her whole backstory is summed up in one verse. There's a woman there. And she's had this issue for 12 years. Years And sometimes we read the scripture and, and we give it about that much thought. She had been dealing with this for 12 years. You know how long 12 years was in the first century? It was 12 years. That's how long it was. It was 12 years. You know what 12 years is in Greek? Shocking. It's 12 years. She had dealt with this day. after, And we read verse, one verse... 12 years crammed in, backstory crammed into one story. It wasn't crammed into one little verse for this woman. 
It was day after day after week after month after year. The prayers that she prayed, the tears that she cried, the relationships that had been strained or broken, the humiliation that she had felt, the embarrassment that she had felt for 12 years, 4,380 days, not counting leap years, day after day after day after day. One of the reasons we read these verses so quickly and keep moving is because obviously we like things fast. Right? We, we like instant results. We like things to change quickly. That's just who we are. That's the way our society is. Uh, you, you, may, you may have seen we celebrated two birthdays in the Sermons household this week, uh, this past Wednesday. My youngest daughter was born on my wife's birthday. They share a birthday. My wife was very angry about that for a long, long time. Um, that she would never get her birthday ever again in her whole life. She kind of worked through it, uh, saw a therapist. We decided to keep the kid anyway, and um, I I wouldn't ask her about it. She's still still a little touchy about it, but they share a birthday, and my, my daughter, it took her a little while to figure out what she wanted for her birthday, and she finally landed on something that required a little bit of research, and we never bought this before, and so we're we getting the right one, and we're paying the right price, and is this going to be a good thing? And so by the time I, I did all of that, birthday was right on us. It was last minute, but that's no problem because we're Amazon Prime people, right? Amazon Prime people, you got to love that. Uh, Amazon Prime was created for last minute people, and so I go on Amazon, find it, put it in the cart, bill information is how we're going to pay for it. And then it comes time to order, and it has shipping options. And so the auto-select for shipping option was two-day free shipping, which is amazing. Two days, we're going to have this. And I was just about to click it, but right above two-day free shipping was one-day free shipping. I have no idea how Amazon gets me a package in one day. Like, I go order this crazy package. It's, I mean, it's not like ketchup like everybody has. Like, this is an unusual birthday present. And in one day, I don't know all the logistics of that. If you do, great. I don't care. I don't want to know about it. I'm just saying, I don't know how they do it, but that's great. One day free shipping. So, so what do you think I did? I clicked one day. Like, why was it auto-selected to two days? Does Amazon think we're barbarians or something? That we would pick two days when we could pick one day? Who would pick two days when you could pick one day? One day free ship. This is, this is the way we are with almost all of our lives, isn't it? Two day, that's great, but one day is better. Two weeks? It's going to take you two weeks? Well, somebody got to ride a bicycle to my house? Like, why is it going to take me two weeks? Right? That's who we are. We want it now. We want it tomorrow. Hurry up. Get it here. And if we're not careful, that kind of bleeds in to all of our lives. It's supposed to be now. It's supposed to be now. It's supposed to get it now. Here's a woman. It wasn't two-day free shipping. It wasn't one day. It's 12 years. It's 12 years. We've created... We, all of us, our generations, all of us, it's not one generation, it's all of us. We've created this I deserve to be happy mentality. A lot of us, because we want stuff now, 
We've created this mentality of, I deserve to be happy. And, and by that, we mean, I shouldn't have problems. I, I shouldn't be frustrated. I shouldn't have to work on things. I shouldn't have to endure anything. Like in my marriage, everything should just be great. I should have these warm fuzzies all the time, and we should never have conflict. Because if we do, look, I deserve to be happy, so I'm out of here. We, we have this crazy idea that I deserve to be happy, and it's nowhere in the Bible. I hate to disappoint you. It's, it's nowhere in the Bible. You know what the Bible talks about? Faithfulness, holiness, patience, endurance. The Bible has this word, English word, long-suffering is how it's translated in a lot of Bibles. Long-suffering. We hate both of those words. We hate long because we want one day free shipping, and we really hate suffering, and we really hate when you put those two together. Long, so are you kidding me? Long suffering? Jesus, I'm going to pray, and I want it here tomorrow. I want Jesus prime. That's what I want. I want Jesus prime. I pray. Next day delivery. I'm giving you a bad review. I'm telling you, one star. That's all you're getting from me. You're getting one star. And then we read the Bible, and it tells us real stories. It kind of slaps us in the face. It said, no, 12 years. You may have a 12-year in your life someday. You may have a 5-year. may have a 20-year. You may have your whole life. I don't know. Faithfulness. Long-suffering. Not next-day shipping. It's 12 years. And, and, and that maybe wasn't even the worst of it. Look at the next, next line. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So she wasn't just sitting at home hoping. She wasn't even just sitting at home praying, which is a good thing to do. But she was taking matters into her own hands. She was going to doctors. She was going to specialists. She's going to the minute clinic. She's like checking everybody out. What can you do? And apparently insurance wasn't any better in the first century because she spent all her money and kept getting worse. Day after day, year after year, for 12 years. But when she heard about Jesus, Jesus in the crowd, Jesus coming my way, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought... If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. That's her mentality. This is something about this guy. I've heard about this guy. I believe this guy. But there's a crowd. You think, about, think about the determination of this woman. We don't know how old she was. Think about her determination. Think about the guts. Like she maneuvers her way into the crowd because everybody's trying to get to Jesus. And so she's kind of twisting and elbowing and boxing out and tapping people on the shoulder and then slipping around. I don't know what all that she did. I don't know how she did it. But somehow she gets through this whole crowd right behind Jesus. She just snuck up right behind Jesus. And apparently nobody's noticed her. And she touches his garment. And we're told, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. What an incredible moment. Like 12 years. And she knew. I don't know how she knew. It's been 12 years. She knew. She knew something has changed. And then she's got to be thinking, my life's, my life's different now. I got to tell, tell somebody. I got to get home, tell my family. I got to get home, tell my friends. And so 
She got into the crowd by fighting her way in. Now she's got to fight her way back out of the crowd. Except, the Bible says, at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. Like, if you didn't think Jesus was a Jedi, like this verse confirms Jesus is a Jedi, right? Because she touches him, she gets healed immediately, and Jesus goes, whoa. Something just happened. And we're not told this anywhere else in the Bible. We don't have to be told anywhere else in the Bible. We're told it right here. Not told it anywhere else in the Bible, but apparently some aspect of Jesus, his physical nature or the combination physical, spiritual, when he healed somebody, we're told he knew it. Like he felt something. Something went out from him. One person I read thought that, that maybe this explains some of why Jesus was always getting away after these big moments and being by himself and resting and praying and reconnecting to his father because the spiritual activity, especially healing activity, like something came out of him. And Jesus knew it. Jesus knew in that moment that something had happened. Next verse, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Now, two things happen at this moment. The woman, who's probably already turned to start slipping out of the crowd, freezes. Because she, she heard what he said. And his disciples go, you got to be kidding me, Jesus. Are you, who touched you? Look at all these people. Like Everybody touched you. Everybody's touching us. We're going to need hand sanitizer when we get done with this whole thing that you got going right here. What do you mean? Who touched you? Luke tells us specifically it was Peter. This is what Mark says. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me. In other words, have you lost your mind? My kind of question is, who touched me? And Jesus never responded. But Mark says... But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Jesus stops. Somebody touched me. And the Bible says he's looking around. And if I can speculate just a little bit, I don't think there's a lot of speculation. I don't think Jesus is looking around because he doesn't know who it was. Now, which one of you, which are you, you weren't close enough and you, I think Jesus knew who it was. But Jesus stopped and looked around to give this woman the chance to step into the light. Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Not because he didn't know. Jesus could have said, you. But he didn't. He gave this woman a platform who had been hiding her whole life. She'd been running her whole life. She'd been covering up her whole life. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you this moment. Step into the light. Jesus did that a lot. If you read the Gospels, now, Jesus pressed pause and basically said, all right, it's your move. It's your move. He did this with women a lot. He, he did this with people who are on the margins of society. Like, I know you don't get an I know you don't get the light. You don't get an audience. People don't look at you right now, me and you. You get a, you get a moment. You get a platform. Everybody's watching. And here's what happens. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. 
We're like this woman in some ways. In the sense that if it were up to most of us, when there were problems and brokenness in our life, what we would like to do is sneak up behind Jesus and touch Him and run. Most of us would like to kind of sneak up in the crowd, unseen, and touch Jesus and go. And Jesus was always saying, no, 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 we're going to bring this out into the light. You and I are going to talk about this. You, 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 you and I are going to do this together. People do that at church sometimes. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's your story today. You, you kind of snuck in. You, you hope nobody would speak to you. You just want to find a seat, and then you want to slip back out. You know what Jesus says to us? Come on, let's, let's step out in the light. Come on, let's be honest. Let's bring it out so that Jesus can minister to you. I'm not suggesting you have to come down front and share all your darkest secrets. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus is compelling us not to just kind of sneak in and sneak out of our spiritual experience. Some people, their sneaking and their hiding results in them leaving church sometimes. There's a lot of reasons why people leave churches, some good, some not real good, but a lot of reasons why people leave churches, but over my life, I've seen a lot of people drift away from church just because they didn't want to bring something into the light. They were embarrassed or they were mad about something in their life, something that went wrong, and they didn't want to own it, and they they didn't want to talk about it, and they blamed it on other things. Well, we didn't go back because, uh, well, we whatever. We, but, but they just slip away from the community of faith because they don't want to bring stuff out. And I want to be honest. They just want to hide and, and sneak. And, and in this moment, Jesus says, like, I don't want you to sneak. Step up and let's talk. And she apparently told him, the Bible says, the whole story. And it wasn't just him. I get the picture. It's a crowd of people all around, Jesus and her. Everybody's listening. And she told him about the loneliness and the embarrassment and the days and the prayers and the tears and the doctors. Whole story. That's what, that's what Jesus is asking of us. Come clean. Come on, pour it out. I, I don't think everybody has to know your whole story. It's probably best if everybody doesn't know your whole story. But somebody needs to know your whole story. If, there's, if you're wrestling with things, if you're hurting, if you're, if you're embarrassed, if you're broken, the path to healing is not hiding. The path to healing is not covering up. The path to healing is bringing out in the light. Here it is. Between me and Jesus, between me and maybe one or two other people, let me tell you the whole story. A couple things to learn from what she did. One is that stepping into the light means stepping out of the shadows. Stepping into the light means stepping out of the shadows. you got to stop hiding stuff. you got to stop pushing it down. Again, you don't have to tell the whole world. You don't have to tell the whole church. You don't have to tell everybody you know. But you got to step out of the shadows at some point. 
And you got to confide in somebody. You got to be honest with you. You got to be honest with Jesus. And you need to be honest with some other people. Say, so, I need help with this. I need somebody to pray. I need encouragement. I need somebody to walk with. I need somebody to call. I need somebody to talk to. In just a few weeks, we're going to be launching our fall semester of community groups. And, and that's an environment in our church that we create for this sort of thing to happen. That as you connect with other people and as you get to know them and they get to know you, that in a few weeks or a few months, that you might feel okay or somebody else might feel okay in that environment to say, look, here's the whole story. Here's what I need you to pray for me about. Here's what's really going on. I don't want everybody to know, but I can't stuff it down anymore. And we give you that opportunity in a few weeks, find somewhere to connect. Second thing, being salvaged by Jesus isn't the result of superstition. Jesus clarifies this for the woman and, and the crowd, mostly probably for us. Jesus clarifies that Look, it was your faith that healed you. As a matter of fact, he called her daughter. He didn't mock her experience. He didn't embarrass her further. He says, no, you're, you're somebody that I love. You're my daughter. All that stuff in your past, I love you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, I love you. Your faith. It wasn't you sneaking up in the crowd, that was cool, that, sh that showed you acting on your faith. It wasn't you grabbing the cloak. It wasn't like a magical superstition, you grabbed it. You, you believed Jesus. You trusted Jesus. This is spiritual work in our life, spiritual healing, mending of brokenness and restoring of the things that have gone wrong in our life. It's not some superstitious thing. It's not if you have the right cloth or you wear the right thing on your necklace. or It's not even if you, you attend church so many times. If I could just attend every week for six months, then God's going to help me. He's gonna, he owes me that. It's not some magical formula. Jesus said to this woman, it's that you trust me. Is that you? After 12 years of after 12 years, you still believed. You came to me today. You still believed. You trusted me. And yes, I mean, symbols can help us remember things. They can remind us of important things. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we don't trust some superstitious thing. We trust Jesus. What heals us, what sets us free, what gives us peace, what gives us endurance. For the 12 years, is Jesus. And in all the uncovering of our life, the, the whole reason is so that then we would turn to Jesus and say, I trust you with this. I trust you to handle this, to carry this, to make this right. And maybe it's not tomorrow and, or the next day or the next week. Or the, but Jesus, I trust you in this. And you can still do that. You, you can still trust the Son of God, Savior of the world, with whatever is in your life. So pray with me.
Just as Jesus looked at this woman and called her daughter. A term of affection, a term of endearment. He, he looks at us the same way. You're my son. You're my daughter. I know what you're going through. I know how long it's been. Stop hiding it. Stop trying to cover it up. Stop trying to convince everybody you're okay. Just bring that brokenness out into the light and let's talk about it. The whole story. I wonder, as we're closing, nobody looking around, just me, but maybe as an act of you bringing something into the light, bringing it before Jesus. I wonder if there's anybody here that, that would just say, yeah, man, there's stuff I got to bring out. Maybe you've done it before. Maybe you've tried before. Maybe you've been stuffing it down for a long time. But if there's somebody here that would say, there's brokenness in me. I need to bring it out. Would you just lift up your hand? Would you say, that's me today? There's, there's stuff in me. God, you see these hands, you, you see these hearts, and you know their story. There's a 12-year story for some of them. Maybe it's not 12 years. Maybe it's longer. Maybe it's shorter. Maybe it's different from the one we read today. But God, help us realize that what's hidden can't get salvaged. What's buried can't get refined. What's in the dark can't be made new. And maybe we just need to stop acting like we're so strong when we're not. Maybe we need to stop acting like we got it all together when we don't. Thank you that you're here and you're looking. Not because you don't know our story. You're looking to see who will bring it into the light. Who'll admit it? Who'll say, yeah, that's me. I need Jesus. I trust Jesus. I don't trust anything else but Jesus. Help, it, help that to be us today. Right, I pray it in Jesus' name.